I'm Jeff Sheesby, a.k.a. The Old Man Who Bets. And I'm Anthony Latino, a.k.a. The Odds Fellow. And this is short-term high-volatility investments, your one-stop shop for sports betting and insights no matter what season is in full swing. And now, let's cash some tickets. What's going on, everybody? Great day for a great day. This is Short-Term High-Volatility Investments. Today is Wednesday, April 13th, 2022. The baseball season is full swing. The Masters have wrapped up. The NBA playoffs are in full swing. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I'm here as Jeff Sheesby, a.k.a. The Old Man Who Bets, alongside my main man, Ant Latino. You know him as the odds fellow. Ant, talk to the good people. Just I was supposed to be at opening day, and the rain and the weddings ruined my plans. So we're here to talk baseball, but I've yet to be in the Bronx for a game, so that's that's got to be next on the list for me. I got to get into the stadium. I have to have a tall boy and I have to watch the Yankees dominate. Yep. Maybe we hit a 1 p.m. game so we can get to Billy's right outside the stadium at 1130. Throw down three to six beers. Let's we'll hit the over at four and a half. Probably a shot at a half. Eh, probably one. It's going to be one even money. You know, that could go to two. Yeah, yeah. And we're willing to give refunds for a push. That's all good. But I, too, haven't been to Yankee Stadium yet, as much as that pains me. Some people thought I was going because I wore my jersey and I took a photo of it. I did not mean to bamboozle the good people at home. I was just pumped about opening day. And, of course, I had to wear my jersey. So it is what it is. Yankee costumes are a must. But the MLB season is young. It's already in full swing. My problem is I have yet to dedicate enough time to truly sit down and watch it, which is one thing I want to start doing and enjoying. But... We're here today to talk a little bit about some of the shockers, surprises, way too early hot takes, maybe have a little bit of fun, and uh, and, and we'll have a look back on this in months and see how wrong or right we actually were, right? Yeah, absolutely. And some things remain the same, right? You've got the Yankees, the Rays, the Blue Jays, the Red Sox all battling for the number one in the AL East, and you got the Orioles at one and four. That makes sense. The White Sox are fighting the AL Central. They're at the late lead there. Perhaps the Twins being in fourth is surprising. Maybe, maybe not. The Astros are eating. The Rangers are not. All makes sense, right? And in the National League, we see some things that we expected as well. The Mets are pretty good so far. What's going on in the NL Central? (laughs) That's a good question. The Cubs are in first tie with the Cardinals. Do the Reds stink? Do the Brewers stink? Do the Pirates stink? Obviously, they do, but... You know, I think one of the biggest things, and again, this is the way too early things to talk about. Let's talk about the Cleveland Guardians, first off. Underrated team or simply overperforming? What do you think? Well, they really, they started out 0-2, I think, right? And then went on a little bit of a rally while winning some games in that series. Or or at least, you know, they came out the gate a little slower against the Royals. But they've really got going. And could it be the man in the middle, right? That, uh, you know, the next Ichiro, as I think we, you and I joked about, he is absolutely raking. Yeah, I mean, and this is a team, you said it, right? 0-2, and then they've dropped 17, 10, and 10 runs in the last three games. They've got the best run differential in the league in plus 19. And we've got Quan. Is Quan the next Ichiro? 8 for 10 in the opening series, a 301 average in the minors. This dude seems to be the real deal. Above average at hitting for contact, above average hitting or, or fielding. I mean, what more else do you want out of a 24-year-old prospect? I think 15th in the league in, in terms of prospect ratings. Don't quote me on that. When you get your youth to come up and make that type of impact right away, uh, you know, he's quickly rising to the rookie of the, the odds, uh, rookie of the year odds on favorite. Uh, I think right now, though, you can still get him. And this was as of two days ago, so this might even be moving. But he was still sitting around plus 600 back on the 11th or the 12th. Uh, Still behind Bobby Witt Jr., who's been successful so far. You've seen his name pop up a few times. Uh, Julio Rodriguez and Spencer 
Torkelson. So a few moving parts there. But hey, Quan could be a good long shot futures value there too. Yeah, I like that, man. And let's talk about teams that are overperforming, at least based on preseason expectations. We've got the Guardians at plus 19 run differential. We've got the Cubs at number five at plus 10. We've got Oakland, the Oakland A's, who sold their entire team and are seemingly continuing to sell it. I think, what, Frankie Montas is rumored to be going to the White Sox? I don't know exactly where that's at. Yeah, you keep hearing about them tearing up this this the pitching core <laughs> yeah, there. I mean, tough to be an Oakland fan. But they're number nine at plus seven. <laughs> in terms of runs per game, these teams are all up there. Throw Texas in there at 5.6 runs per game. They only average 3.86 in 2021. I don't know. I think uh, I think this is a short sample size, and all these teams will end up at the bottom of the barrel. What do you think? Exactly. That's normally what you see. I mean, you joked about the Orioles before, but I think the last few seasons, uh, I could remember the Orioles coming out of the gate being in first place the first month right. of the season or the first couple of weeks of the season in that topsy-turvy, tough, tough, deep AL East. And I think you're probably dealing with similar samples here where these teams do regress a bit and continue to fall back, especially with Oakland, Texas, and the Cubs, because I just don't think the depth is there, at least with Cleveland. You know, if the offense can keep up and, and improve like they already have compared to prior years, the pitching itself is a little bit better. But Oakland, Texas, and the Cubbies, I would expect to fall back down uh, to reality. Yeah, and that Cleveland, I mean, we're looking at batting average on balls in play for them. The average in the league is 300. Anything above 300, you're generally getting a little lucky. Anything below, you're generally getting pretty unlucky. They're at the highest in the league right now at 361. So if there's ever a statistic that perhaps indicates, and of course, 17, 10 to 10, that's an insane amount of runs. We're five games in here. They're probably going to regress. But who knows? Perhaps with Quan leading the, the charge, this will be a statistical anomaly season for the Guardians. They will be underpriced all year, and you should take them every single game I am on them today. A little day action, a lot of day ball, which I would pitch the MLB to do every single Wednesday or Thursday. Give me a, give me some day games. Make it happen. And they're up 2 nothing. Oh. Those hot bats stay hot. Neither here nor there. Let's keep this moving. We've got a lot to talk about here. The Mets, the rival team. In New York City, I was actually uh, drinking some ales on Saturday and some was talking to a, a female and she was like, I like the Mets. I was like, very cool. Go New York. She's like, that's not what you're supposed to say. You're supposed to say, why would you ever like the Mets if you're a Yankees fan? I was wearing my Yankees jersey dead giveaway. But no, it's usually the Mets fans that feel that way about 100%. the Yankees. I feel like it less goes the other way. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, it's better to be rooting for New York than not rooting for New York. And she was like, wow. I've never heard that before. I'm like, you obviously don't talk to that many baseball fans. But they're plus 12 in terms of run differential. Number two in the league after being minus 32 on the season last year. Obviously, injuries injuries have striked with DeGrom. Scherzer out there tonight. I am on the Mets minus 110. We think this is their year? As a Yankee fan, I would say I hope not. No, just kidding. Maybe not. We just talked about this. Um, I they are, they are a good team on paper. Uh, what I worry about, I do think it could be their years, just the injuries. You know, what are you going to get out of DeGrom and Scherzer? I think you need both of those workhorses to pitch, what, 20 starts at least, maybe 25. Nice. And you already got uh, Tejon Walker on the IL once again. We saw last year he was an absolute menace in the first half, got a little banged up. He was terrible to close out the year. Probably too many innings, I think, because he had Tommy Johns, what, two years ago? He was putting up two a years ago, career, at, career high. Yeah. Right away in the first half. And so I think that's what you have to balance there with the Mets on paper. Uh, leadership, veterans, the the manager move that they made with Buck, it's all there. It's all out in front of them. So I think it just comes down to health of those two workhorses and and what you get. And hopefully you keep them healthy into the postseason. I would not want to face them in a five game, especially in a five game series. But you know, even in a seven game series, if they're both 
throwing twice. Yeah, big time. I agree there. I think definitely the Mets are Mets should per- perform. Let's talk about bats that are underperforming right now. Some of these make sense. Some of them perhaps don't. We're looking at batting average on balls in play. Again, league average is around 300. Anything below that indicates you're underperforming. Anything above that indicates you're overperforming. We've got the Diamondbacks at 140. We've got Seattle at 218. We've got Boston at 228. Minnesota at 229. Houston at 229. And the New York Yankees at 259. Which one of those do you think is going to be the biggest regression towards the positive once we get a sample size that's larger than five games? So I actually don't think it'll be the Yankees because I just don't see them being a team that hits quality for averages. We were talking in a text thread the other day about how many runs have they scored just via the home run lately um and i think that's been a big percentage of their run score like 80 percent, wasn't it the early part of the season somewhere between 70 and 80 percent yeah for sure um but the the those middle three i think boston minnesota and houston all seem like they would come up a little bit to me i actually think houston uh could come up the most just with some of the guys they have in that lineup the types of guys the types of hitters again a little less reliant on the long ball not that they won't mash uh but even with some of the movement of like carlos correa moving off in the offseason i think that number will come up significantly on the 229 boston minnesota although i do think they will come up interesting because their their offense is built a little bit more like the yankees yeah and you know interesting minnesota they're a team that I always think about. I'm like, oh, this team's good. Last year, their run differential was a minus 105. Like, that is is shocking to Of me. that, equally a shitty home and away. Minus 44 at home, minus 67 on the road. Is that a number that's going to come up? This Minnesota team. I mean, it has to. It has, it to. has to come it up a little to. bit. They're better. But will it matter? And they, they should be better, right? They're better on paper than they were last year. Um, You know, just looking at the division odds there in terms of the – uh, vaunted AL Central that we mentioned, you know, they are still sitting at a pretty significant underdog position compared to the White Sox, mm-hmm. but that's because of what the White Sox bring to the table. You know, they're around plus 500. It looks like in most spots, these odds aren't always live because they'll come up and down depending on the, the day slate of games or the night slate of games. But you figure the White Sox are around minus 200 to win that division, the Twins at plus 500. You know, they're still ahead of the Tigers, Guardians, and Royals pretty significantly. So a team that people right. expect to be in the mix, maybe in the mix for a wild card, and those numbers that you rattled off are not playoff caliber stat. Mm-hmm. You know? For sure. Yeah, and a couple interesting things looking at 2021. Obviously, we only have five games of, of data here. In terms of home and away split for run differential, one of them here makes sense, right? We got the Rockies at plus 49 at home, minus 106 on the road. You would think their pitchers would perform a little bit away, but I guess their bats also take that that hit. So that one makes sense to me. But a couple of the other ones here don't necessarily. We've got the Mets, plus 19 at home, minus 51 on the road. Like, fine. You know, I guess teams are worse on the road, but not always. You've got Miami, minus 88 on the road, plus 10 at home. And then the one that really perplexes me, both of those, like, fine, right? But it, it's larger splits than most teams, but still probably within the standard deviation, the Milwaukee Brewers last season at plus 109 on the year run differential, obviously very good, top 10 in the league, uh, plus two at home, plus 107 away. What do we make of that? That's outrageous. That's outrageous. It's not like you're picking up a DH. This is the last year that was all the National League, right? So it's all, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, kind of a standard stock line consistent. Uh, that is wild. I mean, that's a team this year, too, that can't score runs. I mean, I've, bet on them way too much already in five games, six days, and lost way too much already because they couldn't score. <laughs> they couldn't score against the Cubs. Minus 10 yeah. run differential so far. Yeah. They've only played away, so they are minus 10 on the road after being 100 and plus 107 on the road. Whew. 
Yeah. Mind-blowing, borderline mind-numbing on that one. Anyway, and let's keep it moving here. We could pontificate about this all day. Just keeping the hot takes going. Is you Darvish finally washed up? I bet he's coming off the other night, and it cashed. Hell yeah, <laughs> it cashed easily, right? Nine one yeah. after two innings. Yeah, I mean, mean give me a break. Two final, right? It, you know, didn't yeah, didn't get too much more interesting after that. I think so. You know, is that the sticky stuff? Is that him getting old? Like, you know, combination of the two. I never took him as one that was involved uh, in the sticky stuff situation, but I think that plus the injuries have been pretty telling for him kind of falling off a cliff, right, the last year and a half. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he's one that I think is just a really interesting case study because I was trying to make sense of him. I unfortunately got him in the eighth round of my fantasy draft, neither here nor there. So perhaps I looked into him a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, this year. A little bit more than, than than the most players do. But, right, he was fine in the first outing. You know, a little shaky, but got through it. Quality start, good. It was against the Diamondbacks. Their batting average on balls in play is 140 right now. That's obviously good for you, Darvish. Next game, what, 1.2 innings, nine earned runs, an absolute atrocious outing. And, you know, I think what I thought he was washed up in 2018, if we're being honest. He had lost his control. He had a 4.73 walk per nine. But then he fires back a fantastic 2019, a fantastic 2020, sub four ERAs on both of those. And then you look at the last, the back half of last season into this season, and there's a lot of concern. And, of course, you mentioned the sticky stuff, right? That is around the time when he started to fall off the cliff. Last season, he had a 3.09 excuse me, uh, ERA in the first half compared to a 6.16 ERA in the second half. But interestingly enough, his XFIP was essentially the same, 3.76 and 3.34. So I thought lack of spin means his walk rate perhaps going off, perhaps his movement is no longer as good. What's the issue there? His home runs per nine doubled in the second half of last season. But going deeper on that, we saw that his spin rates did plummet right around July, which is when the sticky stuff, June 3rd, I believe, was the crackdown. But he was also added on the IL then with a hip inflammation, probably was pitching hurt there. By the end of the season, into, into August, his spin rates were back around what his average was. I think it was like 2,600, whatever, BPMs, RPMs, RPMs. Um, so I don't think it's a spin rate thing. But even coming into this season, we look at it, major differences in his pitches. His fastball usage is up 15%. His slider usage is down 4%. His cutter usage is down 17%. And his curveball is down 4%. Those are all pitches that have require movement are down, down, down. And one that doesn't is up, up, up. So I don't know if it's a spin rate thing, but it definitely seems to be something going on there with either lack of movement or lack of confidence in positioning of that pitch. Um Pretty, but I don't know. What do you make pretty, of it? Pretty telling, too, to, to be up 15% in terms of the fastball. And the fastball is maybe not what you want to throw in all these counts to all these gentlemen right. that can hit. Yeah, yeah, and I was thrilled to see that the um, you know his, his miles per hour was still – it's actually up a mile per hour. Again, we're talking one yeah. and a half starts here. My take here <laughs> – I don't know if this is hot or not – I think, at least in fantasy, he could be an interesting buy low. Like, he's still, what, like a minus 160, minus 180 favorite most of the night. I don't think there's value there. If he tickles down into the 150, minus 130 range, I think he could be an interesting buy low. Obviously, we'll see how this one ages. But with his XFIP around the same, uh, his home run per nine, the only thing that's changing, that strikes me as something that he, as a veteran pitcher, might be able to navigate. Yeah, he's a veteran pitcher. I remember those Cub years. And like you said, some of the down, we probably could have had the same conversation back then, 2018, 19 before he got going again to say is he washed what happened is it the injuries finally catching up with him so you know the the benefit too you get a still a strong squad around him and one that is going to get better and going to get healthier when they get their guy Tatis right. back I think in June 
um, and that mm-hmm. trending upwards. So still could be one to watch. Maybe if early season fade by low later on in the year, which could be a good approach. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yep. All right, what other hot takes we have here? Buxton for MVP? Yes or no? Not yet. Not yet. Too early. Not Last early. season he had four twenty six and eight home runs in April. This season he has three home runs in five games. He's only hitting two fifty, but his batting average on balls in play is two hundred. Regret uh, suggesting that he is actually underperforming with three home yeah. runs in five games. I just games. think you have a loaded top of the the list here. Interestingly enough, when you still look at some of the odds, you got uh, two Angels in Otani and Trout. Then you got two um, early season moves from the Toronto Blue Jays in Vlad Jr. and Bo Bichette. Uh, sprinkled right in there in that top five in the fourth spot ahead of Bo Bichette is Mr. Buxton. So I think the AL is just tough, 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 tough in terms of that top. Because you those other guys are going to put up stats too. And I think what doesn't matter in the MLB right. as much as I think it does matter narrative-wise in some of these other leagues is bad teams – with good players and good stats, these guys can still win the MVP. Look at the Angels. They're still occupying two of those top three spots. And they can't seem to get out of their own way yet again. That's fair. And Buxton, uh, perennial injury concern. Yep. <laughs> yep. But I think we were talking a little bit too about you and, and some of his pitchings and outings. Obviously, uh, you probably could have hit the over uh, slightly in that. I think it ended up being a push or maybe a slight under which leads me to where the unders have been trending. And there was a day back on April 10th, not too long ago, where the unders went 13-1-1. Not too long 13, ago. Damn. Say that again for the people out there. That is a big percentage. <sighs> come back Imagine two days later. taking all unders that you day. You might as well just I keep retire. going because on April 12th, they went 9-5-1. Still profit. Still profit. So is that – And, like, I think relatively even on the other days, yeah. right? Around 50-50. Yeah, around 50-50, you know, slightly up, slightly less. But those two were the big outliers that I saw. Um, but interesting because you know those the, you don't often see a day like that you know so anything to make of right. early season totals or how you approach it do you do you lean more unders more overs this time of year <laughs> you know I am so streaky in totals I was actually looking that up today um, the only time I've crushed overs was the 2020 season where I was just honing in so intensely on bullpen usage in any time that any other top bullpen because they were playing two games a day at times right with the COVID shortened season so any game that bullpens weren't stacked I was just hammering over I think I made probably 20 units on those outside of that I'm down about 10 units on totals over the last three seasons so it's one of those things that every time I'm about to play one I'm like are we sure Jeff are we sure we need to play this I'm 0 for 2 on totals this year um, but I think what's interesting and what I've been trying to figure out is right short in spring training um, so a lot of these starting pitchers aren't aren't stretched out yet, right? We saw a lot of them going between 40 and 60 pitches on their first starts. Obviously, that should uh, change. But lack of stretch out, more bullpens, I would have expected kind of the opposite, right? Pitchers aren't that precise. Of course, it is cold, harder to hit in the cold. So for me, that's like kind of a total wash, right? Pitchers aren't playing as well, but it's cold. Pitchers aren't hitting right, and they usually don't early in the season. So like, what do I make of it? For me, that's a stay away, and that's what I should have done on Saturday when I went 0-6 after proclaiming that I wasn't going to bet the MLB for at least two weeks. Uh, and then the profits got just absolutely, absolutely slaughtered me. Uh, and that's okay, right? We'll get slaughtered from time to time. But for me, that's a just a total wash down the middle. Absolutely fair. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, you got smacked in the face by the old profit gods, the gambling gods, but you'll be back. I know you'll be back with more data. I typically don't bet the totals either. I like to follow and watch some guys that do. Shout out to C2. Uh, he loves betting totals, and I like seeing where his data is trending. He's crushed some of those under trends lately. But, you know, keeping with that theme, 
pitching totals. Let's talk a little bit about some things you called out in the San Francisco Giants. This coming into the season was one of my favorite unders in terms of uh, win totals. I just expected and thought this team was going to regress a bit. Uh, you pointed out maybe some pitching uh, movement here with the Giants. Um, wh- what's the best way to attack it? Yeah, really interesting. You know, I was just trying to figure out, like, the Twins for me were always that team where guys would go and they'd get better. You look at Jake Odorezzi, you look at Kyle Gibson, two really good examples of, you know, what, 4.5 ERA guys that all of a sudden are throwing 3-7 up in there. And, you know, notice kind of a similar thing here with San Francisco Giants. We look at, who do they got? Gausman, right? He obviously left. It's only one start so far, so we're totally overreacting here. But 2021 with the Giants, 2.8 ERA, 3.28 XFIP, elite numbers, one start with the Blue Jays, 5.4 ERA. Again, (laughs) he still has a 2.848 XFIP and a 471 batting average when balls in play, indicating that he got very, very unlucky in that start. But something to watch, right? And we can see things kind of going the other way. We look at uh, Mr. Rodon coming from the White Sox. He had a 2.37 ERA last year, obviously elite. But in one start with the Giants, 1.8, that's trending well. Let's talk about three guys who are two guys specifically that actually have some data behind it, so it's not strictly a hot take. When you look at a guy like Anthony Descalfani, he comes to the Giants uh, in 2021 after putting up a 7.2 ERA with Cincinnati, 5.63 XFIP. Brutal numbers in Cincinnati. He had flashed some goodness in the years prior to that, but was wildly inconsistent. And then he comes to the Giants last year, 3.17 with a 3.95 XFIP. Um, you know, really, really inspiring stuff there. Alex Wood, another dude, really, really good example here. 5.8 ERA in 2019 with the Reds. He goes back to the Dodgers, puts up a 6.39 ERA. And, you know, he had like sub four ERAs with the Dodgers previously. So you'd expect him to perhaps regain some of that, uh, that form. Doesn't do it. Then comes to the Giants. What does he have? 3.83 ERA in 2021 with them. So this is one of those things that granted their park is obviously wildly friendly to pitchers. But perhaps there's a little bit more going on. Alex Cobb, another good example of here. Absolutely. It used to be Gas Can Cobb back in 2018, right? Anytime he'd be playing, it would be like a Homer Bailey day. Just fade, fade, fade. We're good to go. But since he left Baltimore, coming to this team, he's continued to be great. You know, he's a sub four ERA all of a sudden. Um, and we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I think we'll see if that can a couple continue. things you talked about that were interesting. I was looking to AL versus NL. Does any of that matter? That would be the case with Gosman potentially a little bit with Rodon if he regresses. But then you, you kind of throw that out when you look at Di Scalfani and and Wood because they were NL guys, you know, through and through. So it's not a matter of the pitcher and the DH and that BS, you know, from the past um, or the construction of those NL lineups in the past. Uh, the ballpark could definitely be a factor. Uh, one thing to watch and, and interesting. I actually thought. Some of these pitchers in some of these spots would regress, which is the reason I was total, you know, focusing on them a little bit from a win total underperformance standpoint, a little bit of regression off last year. But maybe not. You've seen some of these teams be better environments for certain positions and position players. The Houston Astros and the Rays jump out as a few others that have really been able to get the best and seems like the most out of some of these pitching prospects or, you know, pitching veterans. So uh, maybe San Francisco, just another destination where they're going to get the most out of their pitchers. Yeah, and we'll see. And, um, you know, speaking of the Twins, I don't know if they still have that effect, but a guy like Chris Paddock going up there, something that's very interesting. He was struggling down, obviously, in San Diego, where our guy, Hugh Darvish, is now struggling without the sticky stuff or he's getting old or he's hurt. But I think Paddock is a guy to watch that I think will be really, really interesting. You know, a lot of these guys, you look at Robbie Ray, right? Such a good example of has nasty stuff but no control over it. 
Soon as he took down that curveball usage from 16% down to 6%, he stopped walking pitchers. He wins the Cy Young. What what kind of analytical tweaks can some of these pitching staffs make? Absolutely, absolutely. So I know in the future episodes, we'll probably do some more on MLB futures. And as the data rounds into shape, we'll talk a little bit more about our betting best practices in terms of baseball, our futures that we might see out there that have some value uh, in some of those look-ahead spots for you. And then you guys can get plenty of daily picks from us both. Probably no totals, but plenty of sides and hopefully some uh, some nice money line, underdog, uh, you know, juicy plays that we can cash Juicy like a peach, juicy like a hazy New England IPA, juicy like hopefully all of our bets that are going on right now, guys. Thank you so much for listening as always. This is Jeff Sheesby alongside Ant Latino, old man who bets in the odds fell. This was, this is, this always will be short-term high volatility investments.